whoever is listening guys welcome back my name is grayson man this is the man with the plan podcast episode 90 90 episodes guys so two years ago we started this podcast in december of 2020 and we are in june of 2022 it's crazy we're gonna get 200 episodes this summer for sure and when i mean i said we started this podcast now there's an episode from april but we do not count that we count that as part of our count I'm going to lose my thought of track here, but that was one where I kind of like was like, oh man, this is going to be easy. So when I started taking it really seriously, December of 2020 is when I really count this culmination of everything. So episode 90, crazy thing, crazy achievement. You guys' achievement as well, keeping me up, keeping this podcast going with your subscriptions, your comments, your likes, your support. Even behind the scenes that you don't see, I get text messages and I get Snapchat, Instagram, all that stuff. Interviews, Brevin, Bo, Marcus Barrett, if any of you guys are watching, Jalen Slauson, uh, Coach Holloway, and if you guys are watching, Myers, Chad Smith, you guys are watching, uh, thank you, Lynn Vietri, who will be one of the questions for today's mailbag episode. So how are we going to structure this? Also, my YouTube audience, it is Boy State Week, and I wanted to shout them out by wearing this shirt. You'll be able to see it in the thumbnail more clearly. But uh want to shout them out. So if any of you guys from tell me watching, uh basement boys, that was the uh, summer of 2019. It's crazy to think about. But how are we gonna structure this today? So we're gonna do quick thoughts on games three and four of the NBA finals. You I did a poll on Instagram. You guys wanted me to wait for game four, and glad I did because my thoughts have went from changing to about the same. And I'll explain why. And I'll make a couple points about. Steph Curry and Robert Williams as the two most important players of this series. And then we're going to do the mailbag stuff. So if you're watching on YouTube, the videos will be split into a whole episode and then a quick thoughts video and our mailbag episode. So excited to do that. Excited to get to work tonight. So Monday morning, this is our Monday morning podcast. So let's get right into it. I want to talk game three and four about Steph Curry, why he's probably the best player on the planet for sure and the best offensive player I've seen in my life. And my Robert Williams is my low, my mom might be my low key as we low key, as we say my finals MVP. See why. Okay. So I'm very glad that I decided to wait on this. And this is going to be a quick thoughts because I want the podcast to be mainly about you guys and your questions. So I want to keep this maybe under five minutes, short YouTube video, short to edit, and the computer won't spaz out on me again. So that'll be nice. So Game three, I, I, we kind of went exactly as I thought it would. And the thing with Boston is that they like to really make this harder on themselves than it really needs to be. And so game three went about as about kind of how I thought. It was Boston controlling the court, dominating in the half court with Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Everybody had contributions. Golden State, it seemed like there wasn't enough. It seemed like it was really all on Curry. Clay Thompson had a good game in game three. Draymond Green yet again struggled as he did again in game four. The podcast memes about his show on the Volume Sports Network, which I actually really like, um, that came up and it was pretty funny. Uh, the Boston fans, the chants, not going to repeat them, obviously, but they were great. And obviously, as you can tell from that, I was happy with the results and I'm ha- kind of happy with how things went. On this podcast, before the final start, I predicted we'd go back to Golden State tied 2-2 and that Golden State would win in seven. I think I said so. I still believe that for two reasons. I'm concerned about the health of Robert Williams because he appeared to be limping and he has honestly been 
the most consistent of the group. And I'll tell you why. It's not in terms of you're going to see why Robert Williams, he's going to have eight points, 10 rebounds, but he's averaging so many blocks. He's in the right spot at the right time. Golden State is not able to score in the paint and be able to drive and be able to do certain things with their big men. And really with Curry and Thompson, Curry's been blocked a couple times by Williams. He really changes how Boston operates, especially second chance points and in terms of defense. For me, if I had to vote, I would choose him as my finals MVP, especially since Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, while they've had good games, they haven't been as consistent because Jalen Brown, he'll go off for a quarter and disappear for three. Jason Tatum has really struggled to find his really his vibe and his energy. He's been playing better. And I think he had his best game in game four where he was kind of doing a little bit of everything. He kind of figured it out, but they haven't been consistent enough. I think Robert Williams, when he's on the floor, is the most valuable player for this Boston Celtics team and really changes the energy and the vibe. So if he's healthy, I really like their chances. But ultimately, it comes down to Steph Curry. And good Lord, is he the most unbelievable player? And I didn't grow up, obviously, in the time of Michael Jordan. But holy cow, and I wish I, I wish I had more words for that. There's not enough to describe it. It's kind of like a thing. You, It's like the eighth wonder of the world. You can't really put it into words. You just watch. And as a Celtics fan, you just hope he misses. And when you're praying for a player to miss, like during the Nets series, it was like, oh, man, I think we can slow down Kyrie and KD. I think we can get in. I think we can do it. And we did. I think we KD's points per game was about 23. Drop that down. Giannis, we were able to slow him down i think his field goal percentage went down at celtics defense miami game the miami series their offense was pretty much dead and it was just jimmy butler excuse me and so for curry he's shooting i think he's averaging about 35 a game he had 41 in game four shooting about 50 percent from the field 49 percent from three in the finals jeez like it's crazy we're going to talk about Steph Curry more in depth because of one of our questions from one of you guys. But I just wanted to add that about Curry. My ultimate point about games three and four, what I took away from it was the importance and the health of Robert Williams. That knee is he's going to be playing through some pain, but if he's able to play and just be 70, 75% of himself, the way he's able to just be there as a body, block a couple shots, be a presence. It really takes away a lot and it gives Boston a, an edge that they desperately need. Robert Williams is not going to go out there and score 25 points like a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown, but he's going to be there to get, grab boards, make things harder, make harder for defenders to box out and get rebounds. It really, it changes how Boston operates in a significant way. And that's what I took away from these games, the health of Robert Williams and the incredible play of Stephen Curry. I mean, he might be the best offensive player in the NBA ever in general. And I think that when he was carrying the Warriors last year, it was clear, get a couple pieces and let Stephen Curry go to work. This is probably the twilight of his career. This is about like the last couple of years we'll be able to see dominant play like this from him because he's going to get older. Clay Thompson's going to get older. Draymond Green is going to get older. So we'll see how it all plays out. But I think we're right now witnessing greatness and we just got to appreciate it. And so Game five, it's the pivotal matchup. I'm going to take Boston to take to take game five only because I think that after loss, momentum is going to be crazy. I think both teams are actually going to be road warriors in game seven should decide it. I don't want to come out and pick or change it. I'm going to stick with Golden State for now, even though with the head, sacrilegious, I know, crazy. 
I'm going to stick with them. But if Robert Williams steps up his play and the Jays figure it out, Golden State could be in trouble. So there you have it. It's kind of crazy, kind of short, but I wanted this to be about the mailbag stuff. And we're going to get into that after I take a short break. So thank you guys. And let's get going. All right, guys. The moment you've been waiting for. I'm kidding. But it is time for the mailbag edition. This is how I wanted to celebrate episode 90 and kind of give back to you guys in a way and more or less empower y'all. So more or less, the episode is both of us doing something. I don't know. It's kind of how I look at it. So our first question is going to come from my guy, Austin French, tennis extraordinaire. And he's bringing up a curveball in a fun way. So he wanted me to talk about the Stanley Cup final. And not a big hockey guy. I do enjoy watching the playoffs. So I have been aware of what's been going on, but a very limited perspective. So bear with me on this one. But I do have, I did read a little bit on this. And so it's the avalanche and it's the lightning and it's crazy because I have actually, my roommate, Matt is listening, big Rangers guy. So I've been kind of almost semi rooting for them to kind of once Boston got eliminated to get kind of past that hump because I've been watching him for the last two years. So it's kind of been my gateway into hockey and how that final series has gone with the Tampa Bay lightning. And to me, the Tampa Bay lightning are that team. They're the team that's been there before back-to-back champs defending they have the uh and obviously i this is a segue and this is just like the i can hear the hockey people like smacking their foreheads but i wanted to get this question for austin and i think the cup's the coolest trophy out of all of them it might be the nba finals one for me but i don't know it's just something about it but the way the angle i wanted to give you austin was experience versus the up and coming and it kind of felt like boston versus golden state a team in a flipped way because Tampa Bay, the way they kind of handle themselves, they're there, they've been there, done that, came in as a three seat, took care of business, and they're able to win a huge game five on the road in New York in the garden, which is not ever easy. That's a hostile crowd, no matter what sport you're playing. And for the Avalanche, they're the number one seed in their conference. They are the up and coming. They've kind of been up and down as I've read about. So Austin, regardless of who you pick, I'm going to take the lightning to win the series just based solely off of this dynastic vibe that I'm getting from them. 2020, 2021, it was the quickest like back-to-back titles because they had the bubble and then they had the shortened season. So everything kind of merged together. So it's like the lightning have kind of been in the news for a long time, especially in the sports media world. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to give you the lightning as my pick and I hope you're satisfied with my answer. All right. My next one is going to come from my guy, Jackson, who hosts JEM live on YouTube. 12,000 subscribers going strong. And he wanted to hear me talk about the NIL and what I think about the QB competition at Clemson. So Jackson, I've talked about the NIL a little bit on the podcast. I never really directly target it because it's kind of what we do on cover two with college football, but I've never been against NIL. I am concerned though, however, about how our structure of college football works out. Nothing against NIL. We talk about it actually all the time when we interview these players. So you've heard a perspective from Bo Collins, Marcus Tate, Barrett Carter. You've heard Brevin talk about it. He and his brother Braden are pretty involved within the NIL industry and that business. And I think the players have really benefited from it. That business side, it's all about balance for the NIL. And I think a lot, for the most part, players have handled it well. And we've seen guys from Kansas get NIL deals for football at Applebee's. So there's a lot of good stuff coming from it. The players are able to kind of get the fruit of their labor, if you will. And I like it. I'm a big fan of it. I'm more concerned about how college football has been structured and the lack of leadership at the top. So transfer portals out of control, coaching hires and leaving 
out of control. So how does the NIL, I feel, kind of gets smacked into the middle of that? But I think NIL, NIL isn't certainly the problem. It may be a distraction for a few players, but certainly not a problem in college football. I don't think, our, I don't think that little experiment has destroyed our game, as some might say. And for the QB competition at Clemson, I think DJ's got it. I, I think Cade's going to take this. This is going to be a year. I originally thought it would kind of be like Kelly Bryant and uh, Trevor Lawrence, where you have kind of two really talented quarterbacks come in, but Trevor Lawrence was just incredible. But I don't think that's the case. I think DJ's done a lot this offseason to improve. Lost a lot of weight, too. I've seen lots of good things, how he's just constantly smiling. We've talked about it on the show. I like, like I said, I know a lot of these guys in the football program. They say DJ's on fire. He's ready to go. I'm really hyped to see him. I thought he had a decent spring game. I know a lot of people are going to be quick to overreact about a lot of certain things. I think people forget about DJ and this team is that this roster is phenomenal. DJ does not have to be Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. DJ just has to be DJ. If he can shorten, if he can clear a couple throws out the way, I think DJ has got a ton of potential, potentially the best arm talent we've ever seen. I'm going to ride the DJ train, and I'm going to say Cade takes over his sophomore year. Okay, our next one is going to come from my friend Julia. She wants me to, and this, I I told everybody that you could ask me anything, as long as it was appropriate, because I didn't want to get in trouble. But she asked me what my go-to snack is on a road trip. And so when I was a kid, there was a lot of, like, great options, but there was only one for me, and it was Chex Mix. It was a duo. It was Chex Mix and candy corn, and I was destroyed when they didn't have it at the gas stations because I love being in the car. We'd have our pop-up movies and like, you know how the, you lower the screen down. It's kind of like on the roof of the car and you go, Ooh, and then you have the little movie. So I'd have my checks mix and my candy corn. It was just perfect. Those trips to Florida could always be solved. If you're bored or you're hungry, get yourself some checks mix and candy corn. I cannot recommend it enough. Seriously. Okay. My next question comes from Zaina. She asks why the Boston Celtics and she's a Heat fan, so this might be more or less of like a, uh, like a little bit menacing, a little bit mean. So I don't know how you just how you toned this question, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> so why Boston? So it's kind of a strange story because originally I'm so you're gonna be able to see, and I can't really see it right now, but uh, big Patriots, Boston Red Sox. So I'm a big Boston guy. It's mainly because of my dad who grew up in Boston. My uh, dad's dad was stationed in the military, and he was in Boston for a while. And they went to Sox and Patriots games. I had season tickets. And they were big Sox fans, big Bruins guys, big Celtics. So that's really where I get it from. I wasn't a big basketball guy until I started really watching Isaiah Thomas and the, and the Boston Celtics. That team in 15-16 that made that run against Cleveland with LeBron, they got swept in that Eastern Conference Finals. But I loved Isaiah Thomas. Small dude, could make it work. Huge leader, loved it. It was unbelievable, and I loved, 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 loved that run. So much fun. <laughs> but uh, anyways, my next one comes from Josh Basil, and he wants to talk about this David Tepper story where he is really he's getting sued by a county in South Carolina over this Rock Hill, uh, this failed facility, and my opinion on Bailey Zapp. So the first one, it's kind of crazy, but I think I'm going to spin it in a positive way. So South Carolina is really a small market team in my mind. I know they cover both South and North Carolina, but I never feel like Carolina dominates the story of the headlines. I think when Cam Newton was their quarterback and was, he gets talked about because he's a big name. But I think when you have David Tepper, the richest owner in the NFL, 
you kind of have an advantage to be able to make some potential mistakes. But having the richest owner in the NFL in a smart market franchise is fantastic because he's going to start to make moves. He's going to start to be able to improve facilities, improve certain things to attract free agents. So this might be a small bump of the road, but I would not worry about it. And for Bailey Zapp, Bailey, I think it's Bailey Zappy, not Zapp. So sorry about that. But for him, I don't think this is similar to Garoppolo, but I really find myself scratching my head at this kind of pick because Zappy was one of the best quarterbacks in college football last year, breaking Joe Burrow's passing touchdown record. Why he's on the Patriots, I have no idea why Belichick wanted to draft him. Honestly, Josh, I have no answer for you because this has been a confusing draft like class for the Patriots. I don't get it. <laughs> As much as I want to be like, oh, yeah, they're doing this for trade bait or they're doing this for this and that kind of to boost them up in the preseason, then they can get some value out of it. Maybe they think he'll be a solid backup for Matt Jones. I don't know. I really, really am not sure. And it breaks my heart because I want to be like, oh, this is classic Belichick. Always finding something. If this was last year where they were drafting, they had Cam Newton and Bailey Zappi. I'd be like, okay, I see what they're doing. They're building up for the future. But they already have their guy. Maybe... They're, they always did this with Brady where they draft a quarterback, but not in the fourth round. I know they did with Garoppolo, but Belichick had this belief that Brady was done in a couple of years. So who knows? Who honestly, who knows? I'm going to move on before I get upset. Okay, Trey, his opinion, my opinion on the class of 2023, that's what he wants to know. So I think my most, my three favorite recruits so far have been Noble Johnson, who just committed this weekend. Uh, Vizina, the quarterback. Holy cow, we stole him from the uh, backyard of, I believe, Alabama. He looks really good. Uh, Terrell, A.J. Terrell's younger brother. I think what Clemson's doing right now, and they're always never going to be the super, the most flashy recruiting class because they have a, they have like a box. If you don't fit within that box of that standard, the dynamic, they're not going to take you. So I like what they're doing. They're getting character guys, but they're also getting talented guys for the future. They're building on it. I love to see what they're doing. And you always kind of have to wait with Clemson because they're, they move slower than most, but they have the top recruiting class in the ACC for 2023, eighth ranked nationally. They're going to be fine. Okay, this one is one of my favorites coming out of this. Should Steph Curry, this comes from Addison Benatelli, should Steph Curry win finals MVP, should the Boston Celtics win? So this is a really crazy question. The only one that has won an NBA finals MVP when their team loss was Jerry West in the 60s, when they ironically played the Celtics. And Addison, I think you're um, right on the money in certain ways because Steph Curry, like we've talked about on the show before, is phenomenal. One of the best offensive players ever, if not the best, and has literally carried this Warriors team. It's unbelievable what we've been seeing from him, averaging almost 35 points a game, shooting 49% from three, 50% from the field. It's unbelievable. I think that these games are going to tell you a lot. If the Jays don't show up and Curry drops 40 but still loses, I think you could make a significant argument, especially because Curry does not have a finals MVP already. But I think it would set, an, it would set a weird precedent for the NBA because we've had guys like Devin Booker, Chris Paul, because you could argue value over, over a winning team in pretty much any case. And you could have given it to LeBron in 2018 or 2017 when they played the, the loaded Warriors. And it's just saying, hey, LeBron's the most valuable player out here. Give it to him after that 50-point game one, for example. So I don't think they'll necessarily give it to him because I think Jason or Jalen will eventually step up and find the rhythm. But I think it's an interesting conversation. I'm going to say yes, 
I'm going to say wait for that. I'm going to say wait for game five. If Curry drops 40 again and they lose, and it looks like Boston's going to wrap the series up, and it's kind of a team effort from Boston where the Jays are just averaging above 20 points a game and Curry's averaging about 37, 38, I don't see a reason why not. And I, I think he would deserve it wholeheartedly for sure. And this next one, I did not quote this. I did not say this. This is a quote from Ben. It, ben DeLillo says, do you think that Jalen Brown is a more clutch player than Jason Tatum? And why is your podcast better than Draymond Green's? I'm going to start with the Draymond Green thing and just say that I'm definitely not as good as the talented guys out there. I do enjoy Draymond Green's podcast. Um, I don't certainly have the inside perspective that he has for sure, but uh, it is fun to see how he is very well-spoken off the court and how he acts on it. It's an interesting dynamic that they kind of bring together and that he's able to mold. I think he's the villain when he wants to be and a great podcaster, well-spoken when off it. And in terms of this JB versus JT debate, I think that Jason Tatum, I take 10 times out of 10 only because, and this, this is this thing. So Jason Tatum is the clear one. That's what you have to really ask yourself. Who's the clear one. Who's the more talented player. And I think we hold Jason Tatum to a higher standard, which is why this conversation always comes up because when Tatum doesn't meet our otherworldly expectations, we begin to falter. We begin to fall apart. I take Jason Tatum. I think he's a better shooter than Jalen. I think he's also a better handler of the ball, even though both of them have been super sloppy this, this playoff run. I take Jason Tatum 10 times out of 10. This next one comes from one of our recurring podcast guests in Lynn Vietri. Was Dabo right all along about the NIL stuff, especially given everything that's come up? Maybe. <laughs> you know, as a Clemson guy, I'd love to be like, ah, he was right all along. Because you know, Dabo always has something to say. Uh, he's always got something on his mind. And a lot of the guy, a lot of the people in the media aren't going to like him for it. They're going to think that he's kind of overconfident looking at you, Paul Feinbaum. But I think Dabo in some regards was correct about some of the stuff that's happening. But I think it's more or less a process. It was a gut reaction at the time. I think he's had to adapt himself. When you get a big change like that, there are some people that are just unwilling to do it. Not saying Dabo is one of them, but you find that change is tough for anybody especially at that level, going and having to change the way you recruit, the way you practice, the way you play. Money becomes a big factor of that. So I don't think it was received very well by Dabo, but I think in certain regards he was right. But we'll have to see how it unfolds. So I hope you're satisfied with that answer. Okay, my next one comes from Graham. Will Clemson reclaim, re, re, ugh, will Clemson reclaim their dominance this year in the ACC? I'm going to say they never lost it. When you have a team that goes 10 and three and it's considered a failure, I think you've got a grip on the ACC that's so tight. You squeeze a little more, it's just, it's crazy. Now, I think Clemson's going to win the ACC next year. I think that's an easy pick for anybody in the college football world. I think they have the best roster. They have the best skill player. There's a lot of things going for them this year. And they're also doubted the underdogs. There's that mentality that they're going to have all offseason. They went 10 and three last year and it was considered a failure. So the standard of Clemson is certainly different as to a Vanderbilt or a Wake Forest, something like that. So I don't think they've lost dominance. I think they had a bad, they had an off year, but I don't think they lost a step per se. They have new coaches. They're going through this new transition, but Clemson will still be Clemson going into the fall. Okay. This is one of actually my favorite ones that I've ever done in terms of questions, which NFL team, this comes from Mikey, which NFL team would you choose to rebuild and why 
and what moves would you remake? So he's asking if I was in charge of an NFL team, what moves would I make and which team would I want to choose? And it's an easy answer. I'd love to be able to be a part of this Detroit Lions build because I want to work with Dan Campbell and what this bringing that kind of energy and that vibe to Detroit, a city that's famously clowned on. <laughs> Sorry for my listeners in Detroit, <laughs> but I would love to be a part of that Lions rebuild. I think that they've got something special building here. They had a fantastic draft. Some moves that I would make, I'd kind of let this season play out, and then I'd go big for a quarterback. I would try to replicate the moves of a Broncos team, maybe replicate the moves of a Bucks team, because they're going to eventually have a talented roster, but I do not think Jared Goff is exactly enough. They're going to almost do what the Rams just did to their team. So it's kind of like a reverse type of thing. That's what I think Detroit will do. I think we're going to see them make significant strides, and eventually they're going to be able to be a team that can be in the playoffs and potentially win a Super Bowl. They have a really young roster. I'm really excited to see how it builds. Because this next one comes from Mitchell, and he asks, so we saw Denver go from a about an average team, and they got paid Manning, and they win a Super Bowl, go to two. Will we see the same thing with Russell Wilson? Yes and no. It's going to be definitely tougher for Russell Wilson because when Peyton Manning joined the division, the division didn't implode and completely get stacked. I think for Russell Wilson, it's going to be a challenging time, but I think that the Broncos are a significantly better team with them. We've talked about how Russell Wilson gets the Broncos over the hump video is live by the way, on all platforms about that. So I think Mitchell, I think you're right on the nose. I don't think that it will be as transcendent as Peyton Manning where they're going to have two Super Bowls, but I do think they have a shot. And I think that's important for a Denver Broncos team who's got a fantastic roster, but has not had the QB for a while since Peyton Manning. Okay, my next one comes from Mia. And what are my impressions of this rookie class? This is a rookie class. It reminds me a lot of 2013, but a stronger 2013 because this is a class without any quarterbacks like 2013. I don't think, I think maybe Kenny Pickett potentially has the ability to solve some of these issues, but I'm not a big fan of the quarterbacks in this class, but I am a big fan of the skills, the receivers, the defensive linemen. I like Ed Hutchinson, Jamison Williams, both on the Lions, who I would choose to go after for a rebuild. Uh, I like the number one pick. I, uh, Trayvon Walker, I think he's super talented. Aiden Hutchinson, I love. Holy cow. We got the uh, Cole Strange pick, which is going to add a dynamic to the storyline. Guys got George Kaloftis, uh, Justin Ross, who went undrafted. There's a lot of really great names out there, and I'm excited to see how it all pans out. George Pickens in Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett. I, like, I'm really curious to see how he and Malik Willis develop in the NFL. Desmond Ritter on the Falcons. So there's always going to be fascinating stuff. I think my one rookie that I really want to watch for is Derek Stingley on the Texans and see how he changes that defense as that roster continues to develop. Okay, my last question of the day, or two less, come from Josh Coleman, my guy. Hope you've been sticking through the end, buddy. I knew your question would get in here. What is the biggest lesson that you've learned from the podcast? And what was your favorite interview so far? You're not going to trap me because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But my favorite, one of my favorite interviews or person to interview was Bo Collins' dad. And that man made me want to run through a brick wall, run through a wall behind me, and just keep going. Brings the energy. He brought this passion that I hope to be one day when I'm a father with my children. It was crazy. He was great. I was smiling the entire time. And it was a fantastic interview, the way it molded together. It's one of my most popular videos, if not the most popular video on this channel. I just love it so much. I go back to it maybe every 
every month just to kind of see how it's doing and just to watch it just for the energy because I just get a little boost from it. You know, it's great. (laughs) And what lesson I've learned from the podcast is to seek help from others and to know that I don't have to do it on my own or do it by myself. I think I'm stubborn in many ways, and my friends and family will tell you that, but I've learned to be able to say, hey, take a look at this video. What do you think? Take a look at this sound edit, this bite. Tell me what you think. I don't have thin skin. I want to be able to take criticism, and I want to be able to learn and grow from it. And I think doing 90 episodes of this has taught me you don't have to do it alone. you got people who support you and who want to help you, and if they give you criticism, it's not just because they want to bash you or bring you down because you got your dedicated audience out there. But I've learned a lot and I've learned to also enjoy the process because it's just it's a unique, unique way of doing things, a unique way to express myself and a unique way to be able to put my voice out there on this kind of platform. So it's really just been a heck of a time. I'm enjoying the absolute just stuff out of it. It's great. And it's a great way for me to kind of continuously get a hobby to learn from and to build my skills on as I continue to pursue my degree. So that's what I'll tell you, Josh. It's a loaded answer or loaded answer for a great question. All right, guys, thank you so much as always for listening to this. This is going to be a much of a, probably a longer podcast than usual, just because we've been going about under 20 minutes, but I think this one will probably be longer. We'll see when I start editing it, but thank you guys as always. Thank you for your fantastic questions. I hope I gave a satisfying answer to each of them. Thanks for tuning in to 90 episodes of this podcast. When we do hundred, I've got something special planned for sure. As always guys, thank you for your support. Subscribe below. Let us know what you want to see next and be on the lookout for big things on the way. Thank you guys and take care.